Welcome to Heels in the Courtroom, a podcast about successfully navigating law and life, featuring the women trial attorneys at the Simon Law Firm. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Heels in the Courtroom. My name is Elizabeth McNulty, and today I am joined by Liz Lenevy and Amy Gunn. Welcome, everyone. Hello. Hi. So today we're going to talk about something I've been thinking about. This upcoming weekend is the one-year anniversary of me adopting my dog, Hank. So I've been thinking about pets a lot and all the fun things that pets do and bring happiness to our lives. But sometimes when people are irresponsible pet owners, their pets can cause harm to others. And that's kind of going to be the topic of discussion today. I think we have some personal stories to share and then also kind of how this coincides with our job because, you know, we handle cases where sometimes pets injure our clients and then we have to figure out how we can, you know, make them whole. So when I was younger, we adopted a Siberian Husky from the Humane Society. What what was its name? Shadow. We did not choose his name. He was our beloved dog. That When I found out we were moving cities when I was 10, I sobbed hysterically and then made my parents promise that if we got a dog, I would be okay with moving, and they agreed. I immediately stopped crying, and we got the dog. Nice. Yeah. So his he, his name was Shadow. He was uh, like full-blooded Siberian Husky. He was a very, very cute dog, but he, he was a big dog, and people were scared of him. He looked like a wolf, and um, he was in the Humane Society because... He had been abused. He was, like, skittish. He really didn't like men. Um, And you had to, like, be careful around him. He had, like, an issue with young children, usually. Um, So when we took him on walks, we were very careful of that. And I know now from having a dog, people are usually, like, very appropriate when approaching and, like, ask. I feel like, er you know, in the early 2000s, it wasn't really like that quite yet. Like people would just like rush up and try to pet your dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and Shadow didn't like that. And um, my mom was walking him one day and he bit a little kid. And the kid was fine. He didn't draw blood. I mean, it was ob- probably upsetting to the kid. It was obviously upsetting to my family. The kid was okay. Nothing happened. I think my mom bought him like a gift card or something that there, nothing, uh, thankfully, no litigation occurred. Kid was fine. Shadow was you know kept on living his life never bit anyone again so that always I always think about that when we get dog bite cases in the office and so does anyone have any any other kind of experience with that yeah so I'm glad to hear that the shadow experience wasn't too bad and and maybe it sounds like the kid got a gift card as well as an important life lesson which is don't rush a dog you don't know he also had a toy gun in his hand i don't know if shadow knew about firearms or not, (laughs) but that was always uh, an important part of the story that the kid had a toy gun not to say that he had deserved to be bit but don't approach dogs with you know weapons shadow's really anti-second amendment that feels like for being provoked sort of yeah so I, I actually do have experience with uh, a dog attack case, and unfortunately I was on the other end of it, and it does affect now how I treat these cases, having that personal experience. Without getting into too gory of details, it was about about this time, actually, exactly five years ago. So spoiler alert, there was <laughs> there was a pre-suit on this case. Because about five years ago, 
I was walking my sister-in-law's brand new mini Australian shepherd puppy. Cutest thing in the world. Weighed maybe six pounds. He was teeny tiny, just a little baby. And he couldn't hurt a fly. Like, I mean, he, he looked like a little like stuffed doll. Like it looked like a little beanie baby. So cute. Loved him. And I was taking him on a walk, giving him a break from being around my cats because they really like to beat him up. So we were, <laughs> we were taking a little stroll around the block and my neighbor's son's dog had gotten out of the house. And this dog, I don't want to breed shame, but it, it was a pit bull. It was an adult pit bull. So this gives you an idea of the size difference between this little itty bitty puppy and this much larger dog. But the dog had escaped my neighbor's home. I guess they were dog sitting or watching their son's dog, something like that. And the puppy and I were sort of like hanging out in the grass near our house. Luckily, we were near our house. But the neighbor's dog spotted the puppy and did what dogs are just genetically predisposed to do sometimes, which is go after smaller things. I mean, it's, it's a, I, I say this about cats too. They're predators. It's, it's just a predatory mindset. It, it is what it is. Look, I don't blame the dog. Right. They're All right. That's what I'm saying. It's instinct. I don't blame the dog. It's instinct. But this bigger dog saw the puppy and I'm standing on the sidewalk and my neighbor yells at me, you better pick your dog up. And I'm like, what? And I look up and there's a very large, very mean looking dog just charging straight at us. And we didn't even have time to react before she was on top of the puppy and there was a big fight between them. I panicked, kind of got dragged into the fight a little bit. Luckily, all of my screaming got my husband out of the house and he was able to get the dog off of us. And my husband's a big guy. I mean, he's over six feet tall and it took him and, and another neighbor to get the dog off of us. And long story short, the puppy survived, thankfully, but was very seriously maimed, permanently maimed. And I was furious about this. And my sister-in-law was mad. My husband was mad. And I take that story now with me whenever we have these dog attack cases, because I know how scary they are. Right. You know, sometimes you'll have a quick one where it might be just like a little nip or something like that, that it's, it's not a big deal. But in an actual like full on dog fight, that's a very scary experience. But just recently, there was a situation where my husband and I were at home and all of a sudden we heard a lot of screaming and, and barking outside. And we run outside and sure enough, it's the same neighbor's dog, mm -mm. neighbor's son's dog, and another dog. And what had happened this time, because we went back and reviewed our, our home security camera setup, that same dog had escaped from the porch, had seen another dog across the street and escaped from its porch out of its house, and it just attacked. Mm. And luckily, the dog on the receiving end of the attack was a very large German shepherd and he did a really good job of holding his own. Luckily it was a very different situation. But all I could think about was you all now have the knowledge. Look, maybe maybe the first time that it happened to me, you all didn't know what exactly was going on, but you all now have the knowledge that you have a dog that has this propensity. What steps have you taken to try to stop something like this from happening? 
And it was very obvious to me that when we talked with the neighbors afterwards, because we did we did try to talk to them, that they really haven't taken any steps to try to address this problem. And, you know, there was a lot of talk amongst the neighborhood now about, well, they know they have this problem and, and they should do something about it. And I think it's important, too, that people realize under Missouri law, it does not matter if there was a previous attack or not. If it's a strict liability type of situation, and specifically that statute in Missouri is 273.036, which basically says that the owner or possessor of any dog that bites without provocation, any person while such person is on public property or lawfully on private property, including the property of the owner or possessor of the dog, is strictly liable for damages suffered by persons bitten, regardless of the former viciousness of the dog or the owner's or possessor's knowledge of such viciousness. So basically, unless someone is trespassing on your property or someone else has provoked your dog, you are on the hook for anything that happens. And I think that that's something that a lot of clients who come in with these kinds of cases aren't aware of. They say, you know, the, the dog, you know, it's my neighbor's dog or it was my my brother's dog or something. It was always so sweet. We had no idea that this could happen. It just came out of nowhere. Can we still do something? It says, yeah, it's you still have rights under the law. So it just was really terrible because, again, I don't blame the dog. I think it's irresponsible dog ownership. But the law actually kind of leaves open that even if you aren't irresponsible, if your dog bites someone, it's you're on the hook for it either way. So that's kind of a, a long story about my personal experience with, with these kinds of cases. But Amy, I'm curious if if you've got any type of experience, either litigating these cases or your own experience. So I've had a number of these over the years. And Liz, I remember when that happened to you. And I also remember, didn't the dog... Didn't they abscond with the dog over to Illinois? Yes. I, I, that's actually when animal control was supposed to go get the dog, the dog owner, who's the son of my neighbor, mm-hmm. basically disappeared with the dog right. because he didn't want his dog to spend the 10 days that they were supposed to spend, I guess, quarantined after a person has been involved in an attack. And so he, you know, I was furious about that, about, you know, he wouldn't take responsibility to begin with. He's still not taking responsibility for it. And Amy, I remember, you know, going to you and and being still very shaken. Like I, I had a lot of issues with being around large animals after this event. I'm, I'm fine now. But Amy, I remember you called maybe the Department of Health or Animal right. Control or someone yeah. to try to get some information on this dog, because that was the other thing was no one would tell me if the dog had been given its rabies shot. Right. And I remember the person in the city who you talked to said, we can't give you any information on this animal because of HIPAA. Oh, yes. (laughs) I remember that. Lady? HIPAA? (laughs) You can't tell me. You're telling me a dog has HIPAA rights? And I I mean, it it was a very funny part of just an overall terrible story. But but yes, the dog dog was a fugitive from justice for a while. Well, and I think we all hoped they would do the right thing, but apparently they didn't, and the dog is still around, and it should surprise no one that this has happened again. Yes. I I think you can involve animal control. The city, uh, obviously, at least at that time, was uh, completely feckless as far as how it could help. But I know that I've had other cases in St. Louis County in particular 
does keep fairly good records. So if you're looking for past bites, if it was reported, then that is information that is discoverable that you should be able to get. I'm not aware of. Obviously, HIPAA doesn't count. I don't think a dog has any privacy rights, (laughs) whether they're health related or not. Because I I have had success in the past getting information from the animal control about previous bites. And I do think, I remember, because I've been, you know, litigating these cases for a number of years, and maybe because I started in Illinois, the law maybe is different, because I do remember this need to prove vicious propensities that you knew about them. And then you go down this road of what does that look like? If they've ever growled, does that count? And became a very fact, fact-based fact analysis. And so it would always go to the jury if you had any evidence whatsoever of anything that was close to being mean or vicious. And so it, it's just a lot. And that didn't make a whole lot of sense. Like it's even at the first, it used to be that like you get one bite at the apple, right? The dog can bite you once or bite somebody once and it's, it's a free bite. And that's not the case, obviously. And it shouldn't be. It's ridiculous. Good thing the dogs don't know. Yes. <laughs> right. Like, oh, that was my free bite. I got to You got to make sure it counts. Yeah. But animal control. And I, we, we had a case, it seemed like we had a rash of cases there for a look. Cause I think it was the same time that yours happened. And then we had my kid got bit in the leg, and then we had a really awful little baby got bit in the face. And that baby that got bit was at, I believe, his grandparents' house in St. Louis, but the dog was an Illinois dog. And so it was St. Louis County involved in Illinois, and I had conversations with animal control on both sides of the river and trying to figure out what could be done. And I remember, and and that was a serious injury, and I believe that animal control does have the authority to require euthanasia Mm -hmm. for a dog under certain Mm -hmm. circumstances. And that was the problem with, you know, absconding to Illinois because you couldn't find the dog. We didn't didn't know where your dog, where the dog that Pitbull was. But so I would say... The immediately what should happen is animal control should be involved. Whether they're going to help is yet to be, I mean, it just depends on the circumstances. It's important for documentation reasons. Either exactly. Way, and you should get the, the vet records because you're very much worried about, are they up to date on their shots? And that could be, we were talking, even if there isn't the one bite rule anymore and you can be strictly liable, you have a punitive claim perhaps. So, if this is the first time the dog has ever bitten, then and you don't have any other good proof that this dog ever was vicious or mean or snapped at anyone before, you may not have a good punitive claim. But the what you're describing, Liz, of course, would be a good punitive claim for your neighbor's son's dog. And things that could very much inflame that is whether they're up to date on shots and in addition to whether there have been other incidents. Because you can just imagine, as you were concerned about whether if you can't find the dog and quarantine the dog to see if there's any issues, then you just have to worry about if you've been exposed to anything because that dog's not up to date on shots. So there are a number of things outside that just, it's a straight up, I got bit, you know, you owe money. You owe it to your client to dig in to see what other things could be going on to make that claim as robust as possible. 
Because as you say, even if the scar itself, physical scar is not that bad, it's a terrible, scary thing to go through, no matter what your age is, right? I mean, child, young adult, older adult, because it's awful. Dogs are sweet angels most of the time. And We've got one dog in our neighborhood. It's the dumbest looking dog I've ever seen. <laughs> and it makes me smile every time I see it. It's brown. It's it's a poodle type dog. And it just has the floppy ears. And it just looks completely vacant in the eyeballs. <laughs> and I love that dog because I smile. I can't help myself. I can be in the worst mood driving down the street like they're in the middle of the road. And I see that dog. And I'm like, oh, it's all right. It's that dog. No thoughts just, behind those No, eyes. wagging the tail. <laughs> no thoughts whatsoever. This dog's whole point on earth is just to look happy and make people smile. So it's really awful to have that worry, you know, and hesitation with animals. And I know Hank is the light of your life currently. I of mean, course. I know. <laughs> yeah. Hank is the best. And since we're on the topic of pets... I have some news to report about my new cat, Obi. Yeah. So I don't know how often I've talked about my cats, but Sunbun Gun is the OG in our house. And he is 11, orange pet tabby, big old boy, my big old boy. And last year in 2022, after much debate in the household over many years, we got another orange tabby because... Um, we got a text from one of my older son's friends whose cat, it wasn't his cat, it was a cat, a rando cat, gave birth in their crawl space in their house, and they found it, and it had all these kittens, and this was in 2022, and that's, with COVID, there were, there were no cat, there were no animals for a while, and then when everybody started going back to work, the shelters were overwhelmed with people who got a dog for 2020 or a cat for 2020 and then couldn't handle it when they went back to work, whatever. And so no shelters were taking anything because this family was trying and the family was allergic to cats and had a dog and they just couldn't do it. So in that, with that backdrop, we went over, Nathan and I went over to see these cats and there was an orange tabby little guy and I picked him up and he bit me. And I thought, it's love. It's love. <laughs> so we scooped him up real quick, had no idea how old he was. And he's a precious angel cat. And his name is Obi-Wan Catnobi. Oh. So Sunbun Gun and Obi-Wan Catnobi. Okay. <laughs> I did not choose the names of those cats. But <laughs> needless to say, they are wonderful. And Obi, though, has, has these issues on his paws. I think it's, well, now that I've had a biopsy of them. Yeah, so you know where I'm going. It's, it's like keratosis. It's a skin disorder for cats. And this was going on a few months ago, so I took him in. And as they were listening to his heart, just doing a general examination, they heard a murmur. And so that led to an EKG. This is my cat, not my human family members, but my cat. So we've had multiple visits. The EKG revealed obstructive hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, which is not a terribly uncommon cat heart condition. So now he's on a pill twice a day, and it has done better. He, of course, he didn't look sick to us, I, and, and, and that heart condition has nothing to do with his paws, <laughs> of course. That was another trip to a specialized vet. Did you know that the University of Missouri has a veterinarian clinic that specializes in oncology and dermatology in Wentzville? 
I do because I spent some time there <laughs> last week with my cat biopsy. So the biopsy came back for this skin condition, inconclusive, shockingly, and was able to rule out a few things like autoimmune, infection, and that kind of thing. But basically, he just has some sort of crappy paw genetics, and yeah, he's a mess. But do I love him? Every day. Did I say to my husband, you know, this is kind of ridiculous. We're in like over two grand at this point for this cat. And I sort of, not outwardly or overtly, to see if he would kind of pick up the thread of, do we continue this? And you would have thought I slapped his mother in front of him because he was like, (laughs) what? I don't care what it costs. We're going to take care. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Now, in the meantime, everybody's been out of town, and I'm completely 100% in charge of taking care of this cat, but he's still a sweet angel. So is he going to be outside biting people? I don't, I hope not. I don't think so. I I don't really fear that this cat's going to cause any liability to us, but I do think trying to see the other side of the coin Mm -hmm. when you have a dog that can be aggressive, it's like a lot of things, right? You just don't want to really believe it. You don't want to really believe it because these animals really become a part of your lives and a part of the family. And I can imagine it would be very difficult to be in that situation and for this dog for one time only to attack another dog and then to be in a situation where you have to put the dog down. Mm -hmm. Really hard to wrap your arms around that. My brother had two Brittany Spaniels, Jack and Lucy, and Jack bit a neighbor's dog sort of out of the blue and that's what they had to do and they live in Tennessee so I'm not sure exactly what the rules are there but he it was a tough decision but they didn't hesitate and that's because if it happens once it can happen again so which is worse you know making a tough decision about that dog or being responsible like truly responsible for it happening again maybe next time to a child well that's what frustrated me with my neighbor was and look, I live in the city. It's crowded housing. We're, I live in a house, but they're very close to each other. It's not like we have a ton of room in, in these particular kinds of houses and the neighborhood that I live in. And that was my thing was if you can't take care of this dog in the way it needs to be taken yeah. care of, yeah. then you shouldn't have it in the city where there's going to be people walking by all the time, especially people walking their dogs all the time. I mean – my, I've got two cats, and one of their favorite things to do is to sit in the front window and watch all yeah. the dogs that go by. Yeah. They, they love it. I, I think that they're confused about, you know, why are you doing that? <laughs> what, because they, what? they stay strictly in the house. They're, why would you need to go out there? They are pampered. But, you know, that was my thing is if, if you can't control your dog in the city, then you need to rehome the dog right. to somewhere where it's less crowded if you can't control it because it's not fair to the dog it's also not fair to our neighbors and they're not they promised me that they would and then they went back on their promise and and now we're having this current weird Hatfields and McCoys situation except (laughs) I don't think either one was right and wrong in the Hatfields and McCoys and in this situation I'm definitely right obviously (laughs) 100% yes no doubt but you know I think it, it, it always goes back to you need to be aware if you're going to be a responsible pet owner you need to know, first of all, like, what are the, the laws around your dog? What can you get in trouble with? And how do you avoid that? Because you don't want to get into a situation where you do have to put your dog down because you did something negligent. Right. And 
back to the that liability part of it, your homeowner's insurance will likely cover the bite and the damages caused by the bite to both person and property. Um, but in the situation of your neighbors, if there are punitives, which means that there was intentional conduct, which I think knowing about the dog's propensities, having a previous bite and not rehoming, allowing that dog to be near other animals and humans would qualify for a punitive submission, then most insurance contracts and policies don't cover punitives. So if you're a homeowner and you have you can't make this de- decision about putting your dog down after it's already bit someone once and you just hope for the best and, oh, I've got insurance, it'll be fine if you can get past the idea that you're willingly keeping a dog that can hurt someone, put that aside, your policy is probably not going to cover it. So you better... You know, if you've got assets, they could be at risk. And and that might be something that makes people sort of snap out of this, well, I love this dog. I don't want to put my dog down. Well, okay, do you also want to lose your your assets? The other thing I think you need to be aware of is what exactly is in your homeowner's policy because there are some policies that have breed exclusions. True, that's a good point. I thought that that was going to be an issue in my case because when I spoke to the adjuster, my neighbor's homeowner's adjuster, the first thing she said was, so I understand that the dog that attacked you was a, a Jack Russell. And I was like, like, <laughs> what? like wishbone? <laughs> it was not a Jack Russell. I was like, it was a pit bull. And the adjuster fought me on it. The adjuster who's never seen the dog, me, who has been personally acquainted yes, with the dog. In the worst way. In the worst way, fought me on it for a while about, she goes, no, it's, it's a Jack Russell terrier. And I said, no, it's a, it was a, it was a pit bull terrier. And she was like, how, how do you know? How do you know? And I go, because I have eyes, ma'am. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how else to talk to you about it. But then the next thing I thought was, well, are they going to use this mm-hmm. as an excuse to deny coverage? Because I've worked at a defense firm before, and I know that there are there can be breed exclusions. We've had those cases. So you got to be very aware about what exactly you think is in place to protect you. And do you have a breed that if someone is harmed, your policy will still kick in? So are Jack Russell Terriers really mean and typically excluded? I don't think Jack Russell Terriers are particularly mean and would be excluded. I think pit bulls. I think yeah. like breeds like pit bulls, German shepherds right. as That's, well. And then I also think huskies sometimes get included on those lists. Just uh, and, That sounds like slander. <laughs> I know. Uh, but it's because, it's, it's because these are the kinds of dogs that if they do bite, they cause a lot of damage. That's the thing. I I owned a Chihuahua. All right. I owned a long-haired Chihuahua. It actually oh. looked like a Pomeranian. Everyone thought it was a Pomeranian. <laughs> and I loved, I loved that boy, DJ. Ooh. And he never bit anyone, but he threatened to a lot. <laughs> Yappy. Now, Yappy. I know that Chihuahuas are actually more likely to bite than than other dog breeds because they're small. But if you get bit by a Chihuahua, like it's going to be a probably a pretty insignificant injury. If you get bit by a bigger dog, that obviously can be a very significant injury, including death. Yes. So that's why there are these breed exclusions. So I don't think the Jack Russell Terrier is on this typically exclusionary list. And what I think happened in this case was it they called their adjuster and just said, our terrier oh. attacked someone. Our terrier attacked our, our, our neighbor's dog or whatever. 
and this woman sort of filled in Jack Russell. But it would seem to me that if you were talking to the homeowner's insurance company, she would want it to have been a pit bull so she could deny the claim. Yes, but she was fighting me on it. That's what I thought about afterwards. And yeah. part of this is also the problem of maybe me trying to be my own lawyer. Oh, come on. Because I was still very emotional at the time. Because this woman was so confused about how a Jack Russell Terrier had done so much damage. Oh, I see. That's so she why was she not thought, willing to believe that there was actual injury. Right. Okay. She seemed to think that something else had had maimed this puppy so badly because how could a Jack Russell, could, as well as like put me in the hospital for a little while. Like I had to go to the ER that night yeah. as well. Yeah. She was confused about how a Jack Russell, you know, sent someone to the ER and sent another puppy for like major surgery. <laughs> Like the the dog, you know, got injured down the street and then just showed up in the yard. Right, and right. Yeah. Dog axe throwing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice callback. <laughs> so that's why she and I fought. And then afterwards, I was like, huh, maybe I shouldn't have said anything. Maybe yeah. I should have let her believe it was a Jack Russell. Yeah. Or maybe I should have just said, you need to talk to your insured about what exactly is the breed of the dog. Right. I don't care the breed. I'm hurt. Yeah. So... That that's the other thing that people need to be aware of is is exclusionary policy. How about don't ever talk to the other side's insurance company? That too. Yeah. That too. The problem yeah. was I was my own attorney as yeah. well as my sister in law's puppy's attorney. That's I was I conflict. was his counsel as well. Yeah, that's no that's that's not conflict. <laughs> so but we got we got it resolved. I'm I'm happy to say the puppy is still alive and doing really well and yeah i don't know what's going to happen with me and my neighbor and and their dog mm, but you to know, be continued to be continued I'll, I'll keep that ring camera pointed squarely at that house though <laughs> <laughs> beware yeah. beware well i hope you all learned something and enjoyed our episode talking about our own pets and how you can protect yourself and your family from you know potentially violent encounters with other pets and also to practice you know safe and responsible pet oh. parenthood, parenthood. <laughs> i do refer to hank as my son so anyway thank you all for joining us if you have any comments or questions please feel free to reach out to us at comments at heels in the courtroom dot law as always we drop new episodes every wednesday thank you for joining us and we will talk to you next week Heels in the Courtroom is brought to you by The Simon Law Firm. At The Simon Law Firm PC, we believe in the power of pooling resources in order to create powerful results. We often lend our trial skills and experience to lawyers around the country to achieve better results for their clients. Our attorneys welcome the opportunity to work with you on your case, offering vast resources, seasoned litigators, and a sterling reputation. You can contact us at 314-241-2929. And if you enjoyed the podcast... Feel free to share your thoughts with Amy, Liz, Erica, Mary, Elizabeth, and Megan at heelsinthecourtroom.law. And subscribe today, because the best lawyers never stop learning.